Let's continue talking about the Holy Spirit. That's what we've been discussing the last few weeks. We've been doing a series going through the Gospel of John, because that's what we're doing this year. And in these uh, few weeks, we've been looking at uh, the role, the presence, the work of the Holy Spirit within God's people. We talked about how the Spirit is the personal. He's not an impersonal force. He is a he, not an it. The, The Spirit is the personal, invisible, empowering presence of God within his people. We talked the first week about how both the Hebrew word and the Greek word uh, for spirit is like wind or breath, and how like when you breathe on something, when you blow air out, how there is a presence that, that comes out from you, and the spirit comes out from God, but at the same time, He is God. He's distinct from the Father, uh, but yet he is doing and setting in motion and animating things in the world according to the Father's will. We talked about how all of the prophets in the Old Testament, maybe not all the prophets, but throughout the prophets, they talked about there would come a day when God's people would be transformed because God would pour out his spirit like water on a dry and thirsty land. We talked about how the Spirit is how we are transformed to be able to, John chapter 3, see and enter into the kingdom of God. He transforms us so that we become people like Jesus of faithfulness to God and self-giving love to our neighbors. I want to tell you a story this morning. In order to kind of set that up, I got to tell you where where I'm from. I grew up in Kansas if you've never been to Kansas, it's probably the flattest place on the earth. Now, now this, you're laughing already and you don't even know what that is, but that is actually, get this, Mount Sunflower, okay? Mount Sunflower. It is the highest peak, the highest place in Kansas, okay? That's the highest place. That's where I grew up, okay? So I grew up in the flattest place in the world. And when I was 18, I went with the youth group on trek, okay? And so we climbed a 14,000 foot mountain. So I went from that to 14,000 feet, okay? So we went on trek, and I tell you all that to say that I have never been so hungry, so thirsty in my life. I mean, there were times where I thought I was hungry or thought I was thirsty, but until I went on trek, I had never known what it was to be hungry or thirsty. I, I was so hungry one day we were hiking. I was so hungry that for lunch that day, we had Vienna sausages. Now, I know there are probably worse foods in the world than Vienna sausages. I'm not sure what those are, but I'm sure there probably are worse foods. But but I not only ate the Vienna sausages, but I I drank the juice from the can. (laughs) And I liked it. That's how thirsty I was, okay? That's how thirsty I was. When we talk about Jesus giving people living water, when we talk about in our text this morning, Jesus saying, if you're thirsty, come to me and I'll give you drink. Sometimes I think because of the culture in which we live, because we live in a culture where if you're thirsty, you just go and turn on the faucet and you've got water. Everywhere you turn, there's water. We've got food. We've got water. We really don't know what it is, most of us, to go without or to be truly thirsty. When you think about Jesus giving you drink, giving you living water, giving you the spirit. Don't think about Jesus offering to refill your cup at the dinner table. Like, oh yeah, I could use a little more water. Okay, yeah, sure. 
Imagine, like in a movie or something, where a man is out in the middle of the desert, and you're out in the middle of the desert, and you've been there so long, you can't remember what it is to have water. And your lips are not just chapped, they're broken and they're cracked, and your tongue is sticking to the roof of your mouth. And you couldn't even say the word thirsty or water if you had to. That's what it is to be thirsty and to take what Jesus is giving us. What I want us to realize, and and I'm going to tell you right up front what the whole lesson is going to be about, is that I think we make a mistake. I've made a mistake in my life and theology in thinking about the Holy Spirit as a supplement, as like a bonus to salvation, Right, Like I've thought the main thing is that I get forgiven and that God forgives me and that God has a home for me. And hey, if he gives me the Holy Spirit on top of that, well, that's just a bonus. That's a supplement. But what I want us to understand is what the Gospel of John teaches us, what the New Testament teaches us, what the prophets teach us is that the Spirit isn't a supplement to life, but is the source of life. I just kind of wanted that to sink in for just a second. The Spirit isn't something that, oh yes, yeah, He makes my life a little better. Without the Spirit, you have no life. It isn't as if the Spirit is a supplement to salvation, like, hey, salvation is the main thing, and then I get the Spirit as a bonus on top of that. Without the Spirit, there is no salvation. Without the Spirit, there is no life. Without the Spirit, there is no salvation. So this morning, as we go through our our short text, I want to look at three necessities of the Spirit, or three necessities concerning the Spirit. So let's look at our text, John chapter 7 and verse 37. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now I want to go through this text and look at a couple different things. First of all, the words anyone and whoever. You see that? Verse 37, anyone and verse 38, whoever. If anyone, if anyone and whoever... I love how inclusive Christianity is, don't you? I love how Christianity is for anyone and whoever. This offer that Jesus is making to give the Spirit, specifically there, he's talking to Jewish people. But as we will see, and was always God's plan, this offer is for anyone and whoever. Not certain kinds of people, certain kinds of religious people, certain kinds of people that have been really good up to this point, certain people that didn't do all of these other things. But if you've done all of these other things, well, sorry, this offer isn't for you. No, this offer is for anyone and whoever. But look at the condition. If anyone thirsts, it's anyone and it's whoever, but it's anyone and everyone who Now, Jesus is saying this on the last day of the feast. You remember what feast it is? 
It's the Feast of, of Tabernacles. It's the, the feast on which the Jewish people would celebrate every year the fact that God took them through the wilderness. You remember when they were coming out of Exodus and for 40, or coming out of Exodus, coming out of Egypt in the Exodus, and they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, and God led them by a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud, and he gave them water to drink. And they were thirsty in the wilderness. They recognized their thirst. And Jesus puts as a condition this offer of water, living water, which John tells us is the Holy Spirit. It's conditioned upon you recognizing your thirst. And think about the kind of people who came to Jesus. Now, we don't see that as much in the Gospel of John, but in all the Gospel accounts, and you know this, don't you? What kind of people came to Jesus? Who was it that came to Jesus that said, this guy has something that I need. This person, more than any other teacher or rabbi or leader, this is the Messiah. Who were the kinds of people that believed that and came to Jesus? It was people like prostitutes and tax collectors. People who were outcasts. People that others just called sinners. Social outcasts that the good religious people wanted nothing to do with, they were thirsty, and they recognized their thirst. They recognized that their lips were broken and chapped. They realized that the tongue was stuck to the roof of their mouth. They realized that they need water. And think about the people that didn't come to Jesus, the people that wanted nothing to do with Jesus. It was the elite It was those that were on the social inner circle. The ones that thought they had it all figured out. The ones that thought they they had it, they had God, and that God had them, and that they were tight with God. They didn't recognize their thirst. If we are going to receive from Jesus these blessings that he has to give, If we're going to receive the Spirit from God, then there is a necessity that we recognize our thirst. Jesus would say things throughout his ministry, like it's very difficult for a rich person to enter into the kingdom, right? In fact, he would say, it's like a camel going through the eye of a needle. That's how hard it is. You are the The more you feel like I've kept all the rules and done all the right things and I've led a good life, the more in that category you are, the more difficult. It's not that you're not in need of what Jesus offers. It's that it's hard for you to recognize that need. And that's why when Jesus showed up and started being who he was and saying what he said, it was the people who recognized their thirst, the people that were on the outside, the people that had been cut off, the people in the wilderness. Those people said, I need Jesus and the water that he offers. And so, I mean, there's a good moment of self-reflection right there, isn't there? If you are going to receive the Spirit of God, If you're going to receive Jesus and all he has to offer, then you need to recognize your thirst. Let's look back at the text. He says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, and John would say in verse 39, those who believed in him were to receive 
this spirit. No, I mean, think about the audacity of that, right? I mean, here's a feast. Everybody's celebrating the last day of the feast. They're talking about God gives us rain on our crops. And God gave us water from the rock in the wilderness. God provides water for us to drink. God is our sustainer and protector. And Jesus gets up and he says, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures say, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. I mean, that's audacious, isn't it? To say, it's me. If you want this, you have to come to me. If you want the Spirit, you have to believe in me. If you're thirsty, you come to me. But isn't that everything that the gospel teaches? Isn't that everything that John has been saying? Jesus is the good news. Jesus is the year of jubilee. Jesus is the Sabbath. Jesus is the Feast of Tabernacles. Jesus is the the bread from heaven. Jesus is all of these things. If you want these things, if you want God and the blessings that God has to offer, if you want to receive all of the promises that Moses and the prophets said were coming, then you have to come to Jesus. This is the way the Spirit works is that you put your faith in Jesus. And when you put your faith in Jesus and you reorient your life around him, the Spirit goes to work transforming you. Church, that's why this is so important. Don't we realize that? I think that there are some people in our world that, and I can see the temptation towards this, to say, all I need is the Spirit. I don't need church I don't need these people. I don't need to read the Bible. I don't need to take communion. I just need to go and, you know, I'll just let the Spirit guide me and lead me. That's that's not the way Jesus laid it out. That's not the way the apostles taught it. The way the Spirit works is that the more you reorient your life around Jesus the more filled with the Spirit you are. I think about passages like Ephesians chapter 5, 18 through 21, you know, where we talk about singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And then you compare that with Paul, what Paul says in Colossians chapter 3. And in one passage, he, he talks about being filled with the Spirit. And in the other, the phrase he uses is to have the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You see that? The more the word of Christ dwells in you, the more filled with the Spirit you are. So when you, when you gather here and you break the bread and you drink the cup in remembrance of Jesus, you're allowing the Spirit to transform you. When you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs that are centered on Jesus, you allow the Spirit to transform you. When you read the words of Scripture and you let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, you allow the Spirit to transform you. When you live out the Gospel, as Paul would put it in Philippians chapter 2, the mind of Christ, consider one another as more significant than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests only, but look out also for the interests of others. As you live out Jesus in your life, the Spirit transforms you. As you focus on Jesus, the Spirit transforms you. And as the Spirit transforms you, you focus more and look more like Jesus. Let me say that again. The more you focus on Jesus, the more the Spirit transforms you to be like Jesus. And the more the Spirit transforms you to be like Jesus, the more you are 
like Jesus and are focused on Jesus. So think about this for just a second. Here's how I would say it. Those who are most filled with the Spirit are those who are most centered on Christ. It's not either or. The the Spirit and Jesus are so inextricably linked, you can't have one without the other. Jesus says, if you want living water, if you want the Spirit of God to be poured out on you like the prophets promised was going to happen, then come to me. Believe in me. That same promise still stands. But for so many of us, our, and this is why we did the series we did last month, right? How we have to have homes that are reoriented around Jesus. Why our, why our moral compass needs to be the cross of Jesus Christ. This is what it looks like to have the mind of Christ. To consider others as more significant than yourselves. Because Jesus, that's what he did. And he laid down his life for us. 1 John chapter 3, so we ought to lay down our lives for each other. As we focus on the cross of Jesus Christ, the Spirit transforms our lives to look more and more like that, faithfulness and self-giving love. So the second necessity is that you need to put your faith in Jesus. Not only does Jesus say, whoever, anyone who thirsts, anyone, whoever thirsts, recognizes that you're dying of thirst. Anyone who recognizes that. But also, you have to believe in him. You have to come to him. It doesn't happen one without the other. It happens here in the body of Jesus' followers. It happens in the breaking of the bread and the drinking of the cup. It happens in the reading of scripture. It happens in the submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Not just here on Sunday, here on Sunday, but also on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday as we live out the gospel together and in the world, the Spirit of God is transforming us. It's not either or. It's not either the Scripture or the Spirit. It's not either Jesus or the Spirit. It's not either church or the Spirit. It's all of it. It's all of it. And if you recognize your need for the Spirit of God, then you have to recognize that he comes to dwell in you and to fill you through Jesus, through faith and belief in Jesus, through loyalty to King Jesus. Now, let's look again at the text. He compares, Jesus compares the Spirit to rivers of living water. Which, of course, brings to our mind what Jesus said to the woman at the well in John chapter 4. You remember, he's sitting there with the Samaritan woman. And he said, if you, knew, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me and I would have given you living water. And you'd drink and you would never thirst again. Living water. What does that mean? I mean, I think there's a couple different senses that that could mean. Living water, on one hand, means like clean water, as, as opposed to like you're, you're walking along and you see a puddle. You know, that's like dead water, right? It's nasty. You don't want to drink that. Don't drink out of puddles, okay? Just in case you didn't know that. There you go. That's free. So you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't like that water because it's dead and it's infected and there's all kinds of stuff in it because it's not, it's not moving and flowing. Living water is flowing and it's clean and it's fresh. But, but in this case, it's also life-giving, isn't it? 
And isn't that everything that the prophets had said about the Spirit of God? Isn't that what happened in the wilderness when they're coming out of Egypt and the water flows out of the rock and gives them life? Isaiah chapter 44, verses 3 and 4, I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They shall spring up among the grass like willows by flowing streams. Where there is no spirit... There is no life. The Spirit of God is how we live now and forever. He's not a bonus on top of eternal life. Without the Spirit, there is no eternal life. Listen to the way Paul says it in Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 9. Paul writes to the church in Rome and says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Without the spirit, there is no belonging to God. Without the spirit, there is no salvation. Without the spirit, there is no life. Paul says, listen, in the context, he not only talks about how the spirit of God transforms the way that we live now, But he also here is talking about how because the Spirit lives in you, he will give life to your, what bodies? Mortal bodies. Because the Spirit lives in you, God will give life to your mortal bodies. (laughs) Do you realize that in Christ Jesus, you have the cure for death? Right? I mean, we live in a world that's always, always trying to cure death, right? I mean, we make safer cars and better medicine. We're trying to cure this and cure that. And hey, listen, I'm for all of that. I want to extend our lives as long as we possibly can. But listen, no one has the cure to death but Jesus. And that cure for death is not only what he did on the cross, but is in the pouring out of the Spirit, And just as Jesus was raised from the dead, just as his tomb was empty, so will ours be. He will give life to our mortal bodies. And that life that he gives is already dwelling in you through the Spirit. Where there is no Spirit, there is no life. And so there's our third necessity, is you need to see the Spirit as life-giving. Again, all three of them. Recognize your thirst, All three of the necessities of this text. Number one, recognize your thirst. The people who think they have it all together. And that maybe, you know, maybe I need a little help. You know, I need a little help. I just need a little, just top me off, Jesus. You know, I I still got some ice in there. You know, just put a little bit more in there. Those that think they've got it figured out and they're doing pretty good without the Lord. Maybe they just need a little boost, just a little help. Don't get it. We have to recognize that our lips are cracked 
and our tongue is sticking to the roof of our mouth and we can barely see and we can barely walk and we desperately need what he has to offer. And we have to recognize that it's only in putting our faith in Jesus by continually over and over and over and over again rehearsing the story of Jesus, rehearsing it in the breaking of the bread and drinking of the cup, rehearsing it in our songs, rehearsing it in our prayers, rehearsing it in the way that we live our lives. And that as we put our faith in Jesus, the Spirit of God transforms us and we have to see the Spirit as life-giving, that without the Spirit, there is no life, there is no hope, there is no salvation. And these aren't one-time things, church. Are they? Recognizing our thirst, putting our faith in Jesus, seeing the Spirit as life-giving. Yes, it begins when we go into the water of baptism. Absolutely, that's where it starts. That's where the Spirit first comes to live in our lives. But these these things aren't one-time things. God knew that they needed to be continual things. Just like the people of Israel needed to continually rehearse the Feast of Booths, Tabernacles. Rehearse what God had done for them in the wilderness. Continually rehearse the Passover. You and I need to continually rehearse the story of Jesus over and over and over and over again. Together and individually as we go out in the world and we live as he's called us to live and the Spirit is transforming us. It is continual that we recognize and acknowledge our thirst, put our faith in Jesus and see the Spirit as life-giving. So, Every week, I'd like to just take a moment and realize this is a moment of truth. There's not very many times in our week that we're confronted with the truth, right? I mean, you can live all week and nobody challenges the way that we live, right? Nobody challenges the way that we live. We don't have to reflect. We don't have to think. We don't have to examine ourselves or where, we're, where we are and what we're doing spiritually. But every now and then, we need to come together and we need a moment of truth, We say, this is it. Where are you going from here? What are you doing from here? And the question this morning is, are you drinking from the living water? Are you drinking from the living water? Are you recognizing your thirst? Are you coming to Jesus and putting your faith in him? Are you reorienting your entire life around him? Are you recognizing and seeing the spirit of God as life-giving? Because church, let me be brutally honest, some of us aren't. Some of us are not drinking from the living water. Our spiritual lives are as dry as they can be. And some of us recognize that we're dry and that we need to come back to Jesus. And some of us haven't even acknowledged it yet. We're just cruising along like there's nothing wrong. Let's reflect this morning. Are we drinking from the living water? Maybe you've not united your life with his in baptism and received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've not been forgiven of your sins. Maybe you've been thinking about it and you've been questioning it, but you just haven't made that step yet. And this morning you've decided, now's the time. I need Jesus and the spirit he gives. Or maybe you've just forgotten. So easy, isn't it? Even though there's been times in our life where we drunk deeply from the well, we drank deeply from the rivers of living water, but at this point in our life, we're not and we're dry and we need to come back home. Or maybe we're just struggling with something and we need prayers. 
Church, listen. This group of people, as I say every week, we're not perfect people. We're, we're all desperately in need of what Jesus gives through the Spirit. But that's what unites us, is our love for Jesus and our love for each other, our love for you. And we cannot help you with what's going on in your life unless you tell us what's going on. And you let us pray with you and help you. Our shepherds would love to meet with you in the prayer room or right now is a great opportunity to come forward as we stand and sing.